0: plastic even if you put it in the recycling it can't be recycled an infinite number of times it will start off as a nice clear plastic water bottle the next time it might come back as a coloured bottle four or five times around the system it will end up as a black bin liner and then it will end up in landfill.
1: Ultimately, I think it's about us as individuals just following our passion and and answering a call to be of service to each other and to the world and to make it a better place, just for the love of making it a better place, not with any kind of, like, like almost without an attachment to, to whether we solve the problem or not. It's just about us as humans finding a way to connect and solve a problem Um and and you know create a, a a better place for the generations to come
2: welcome to wanna be greener the podcast making it easy to be green I'm Harriet Robinson, a presenter and journalist in Wellington, New Zealand, though I might not sound like it as I've just moved here from Bristol in the UK. Now, over the past couple of years, I've been taking steps to reduce my impact on the environment. And most of these have been quite small steps, like buying a reusable water bottle or using bars to shampoo my hair, as well as cycling more, buying more second-hand clothing. You get the gist. You can check out my Instagram blog, wannabe.greener, to see more. But through this Instagram and generally through people seeing me as a bit of an eco warrior, I get asked quite a lot of questions, but I don't really know the answers. I'm just kind of doing this on my own. Now, whilst environmental issues and climate change are something we're all aware of right now, it's not really easy to take those steps to becoming zero waste or reducing your impact on the environment. I find it quite difficult, there's a lot of questions I have, so I'm hoping over the next few episodes we're going to be able to debunk some of the myths, answer some of our questions and just understand a lot more. And then we'll have the knowledge, hopefully, to be able to take those steps into living more sustainably. Now, I recorded these first interviews back home in Bristol with some of the people who inspire me in terms of sustainability – But then we'll be hearing from some inspiring New Zealanders. But wherever you are in the world, the tips and advice that we cover should be useful and relevant to you. So I'll be meeting the man behind the UK's biggest vegan fair to find out the truth about plant-based eating. I'll also be asking clothing retailers how they and us as consumers can support eco-friendly fashion. And we'll find out more about renewable energy and why we should all be using it. This week, though, we'll cover the ins and outs of plastic-free periods, why you should never flush face wipes down the toilet, and some of the easy and cheap swaps you can make in your home right now as we discuss the buzzword of the moment, plastic. plastic. Natalie Fee is an award-winning environmentalist and founder of city to sea which is an organisation aiming to end plastic pollution at source. Nat's also an author and recently released her book How to Save the World for Free which is full of easy and free lifestyle changes we can make as individuals to help solve some of the world's environmental problems. So if you haven't got a copy already, why not? It's really interesting. How to Save the World for Free by Natalie Fee. Uh, Nat, in my eyes, is a bit of a zero-waste queen and she says that she'd consider herself currently about 50% plastic Now, Richard Lancaster has been an active member of Greenpeace since the 1980s, campaigning on deforestation, whaling, anti-nuclear, climate change, toxic waste and most recently, plastic. Richard has just begun a mission to reduce his own plastic use, given a series of talks called Let's Get Drastic About Plastic in trying to cut down on plastic use at home with his
3: family. Plastic which I'm going to try not to say a million times during this program is a bit of a buzzword at the moment. We're all talking about it thanks to planet, um, programs like Planet Earth 2 and um, Blue Planet 2, which highlighted the way we're kind of basically destroying the oceans as humans. So obviously it's something that seems fairly new to a lot of people. But in terms of you, Natalie, this is something you've been working on for a while. So when was it, what was that moment where you decided, actually, I just need to cut this out my life?
1: It was back in 2013 when I first saw the trailer for the film Albatross. That was the, the moment for me when I realised that everyday items, single-use plastic that I was using, was escaping into the ecosystem and getting into our rivers and seas and being consumed, ingested by wildlife. And I think that, for me, was a wake-up moment because I, I hadn't thought about you know where my bottle tops ended up or my toothbrushes or ink cartridges and and i had no idea some of them somehow were making their way into
3: the bellies of these beautiful albatross chicks how how are they making their way there because someone asked this to me the other day we see all these programs where there's plastic you know there's all these plastic islands in the middle of the oceans how how is it getting there
1: well I think that the, the sort of the, we have to be a bit careful around the plastic island sort of myth that there are there are large concentrations of plastic in our oceans but it's not floating on the surface we only have about um 1% of ocean plastic is on the surface around 95% of it's on the ocean floor um around uh I think the sort of remaining 5 or 4% whatever the math is is on the beaches um so, um, but a lot of it gets there through uh, through our rivers and seas. Um, in the UK, around 7% of marine plastic is flushed from our toilets and ends up going out into the rivers and seas through our toilets. Um, a lot of the microplastics that we have come, again, through our greywater systems and out through our sewers into the uh, rivers and seas. And a lot gets littered as well and, and blown off into our, um, in, into sort of the rivers and seas and comes from... Um, from
3: land. That's quite shocking, all of that amount that that gets there through those little ways. And who who flushes plastic down the toilet? Well, millions of people, sadly.
1: Um, People haven't, uh, you know, a lot of people still haven't made the connection between their toilets and their local rivers and seas because uh, a lot of the time the filters in our sewer systems are they're not able to filter out microplastics they're not able to filter out cotton buds so they naturally just flow through but the thing is with people are flushing loads of wipes and menstrual products down the loo they cause the sewers to block which then means the sewers actually then release to relieve the blockages which mean then that loads of big plastics like tampon applicators and and wet wipes which contain plastic and cotton buds all of that just then
3: floods out into uh, our rivers and seas I didn't realise people actually put that stuff down as well, like tamp- tampon applicators and, and cotton wool buds, because, I don't know, to me you just put that in the bin, but I guess we're all different and we all have different information yeah. given to us. Well, I
1: didn't know you shouldn't flush tampons down the loo until I started this work. I mean, I thought that my well, my tampons are organic, so I thought, well, that's no problem, but I hadn't thought mm. about the fact that, you know, actually a lot of tampons do contain plastic in them and on them. Um, and... And when they're down the sewers, like I said, they then cause part of these gross fat bergs and and coagulate, and then they cause other other blockages.
3: Gross. Yeah, horrible. <laughs> um, Richard, what's Greenpeace doing in terms of of plastic at the moment?
0: Well, Green, the Greenpeace campaign started by focusing on sort of soft drinks manufacturers like Coca Cola and their phenomenal number, you know, millions and millions of bottles produced each year which in themselves are all new plastic they contain a very small percentage of recycled plastic so the the start point of the campaign was to focus on soft drinks manufacturers um, use of new plastic and the fact that they, they, they weren't contributing to the recycling I mean one of the problems is that the soft drinks manufacturer only pays there's no concept of polluter pays they produce the bottle and then it's no longer their problem so what to it, happens to it after that is not their problem um, so Greenpeace started by the, by focusing on soft drinks manufacturers but they've moved on now to looking at what supermarkets are doing we all know that there's an amount of excess packaging uh, in supermarkets things that really don't need any plastic anywhere near them are being wrapped in plastic and shrimp wrapped in plastic and some of the um, some of the examples are outrageous really and Greenpeace has in fact been asking people to take photographs when they see excess packaging and post it onto a website and social media to highlight and put pressure and a number of the supermarkets have started to react so Iceland for instance announced that they were going to go plastic free and some of the others are following but the defence that the supermarkets have put up is you know sometimes they say oh well it helps with, with preserving food you get less food waste But it's just not true that the figures suggest that, in fact, a lot of the food actually gets thrown away after it's used by date by um, still wrapped in its plastic. So it's not reducing the amount of plastic. So that's what the Greenpeace campaign has been about. First soft drinks manufacturers and now supermarkets.
3: And you yourself have just started giving talks, let's get drastic about plastic, and trying to cut your own um, plastic use at home. Um, How is that going for you? Because I know you recently retired as well, didn't you? So do you feel like it's easier now you've got a bit more time to to focus on something like this?
0: It's, I'm very recently retired, so I'm hoping that we will now be able to do spend more time. Uh, uh, like um, Nat, like Natalie was saying, initially I I'd always thought that oh you know as long as you put the plastic in the recycling that's going to be fine. And then as the Greenpeace campaign started, and then as you said in the introduction about Blue Planet. You start to realise that, uh, hey, you know, there's an awful lot of plastic. What is happening to it? And then you start realising that the recycling is yeah, it's better than just landfill, but there are lots of issues with recycling, but perhaps we'll talk about in a minute. And then, um, so we're, we're trying to reduce our amount of plastic. We've made little moves like moving back to bars of soap rather than plastic containers of soap. Loose tea rather than tea bags because they contain plastic.
3: Which a lot uh, of people don't know. But I only found that out recently. I had no idea there was plastic in tea bags.
0: I mean, we try and do our bit with like Fair Trade and Tradecraft, and I was horrified to find out that Tradecraft tea bags still contain plastic at the moment. But there are some manufacturers that don't. But you know, you don't. But there's modern tea teapots that have an insert. It's very easy to use loose leaf tea, so we've gone back to that. We try and, wherever possible, avoid taking, well, we never take the plastic bags in supermarkets. We always take the vegetables just loose. If we have to put them in something, we'll nip round to where they have the paper bags for the mushrooms and use one of those. So at least it's uh, biodegradable. Um, And a number of other things, we have cut out wet wipes. And I'm starting to see, even within my family, I've got two daughters, four grandchildren, and my youngest grandchild, who's only five, came home from school and announced she didn't want any, any um, sort of uh, shrink wrap or um, cling yeah. film around her, around her lunch anymore. She wanted it in a reusable box. She's only five, That's but great. she's on the case. So uh, I'm starting to see my family it's spreading out. So I'm hoping that uh, the word's moving out there.
3: That's great. Um. How how did you find it at the beginning, Natalie? Because you've got a family as well. Was it difficult for you to start cutting out that plastic? Because it's in everything.
1: Yeah, I think, actually, it was a bit easier at the beginning, I think, when I started out. Um, and I, I think, you know, I made sort of the, the big, sort of, or the top four cuts, you know, just sort of saying... Um, you know, I'll have a G and T, please hold the straw. Like that became part of my language when I was ordering, you know, drinks and then getting a reasonable bottle, getting a reasonable coffee cup, and really kind of embedding those basic behaviours. That when I leave in the morning, I make sure I've got those things in my bag. I think that was like the first sort of transition, and then um, it was generally through. Um, plastic free july which happens once a year funnily enough um is a really really good way to actually sort of start tackling your your habits around single-use plastic because it can be really overwhelming to try and and start living plastic free especially if you've got a family and you're busy um so, you know, one, one of the ways in which you can do it, you think, OK, it's just for a month. I'm going to do my best to, to try and live plastic free. And actually what I found is during that time, I developed a different relationship with my sort of local high street. I found out where I could go to a butcher's and get, um, you know, meat wrapped in paper and the same with fish and loose fruit and vegetables. Um, and it may be that not all of those behaviours stick beyond the month, but actually some of them do like, you know, swapping to get your milk in glass bottles. Plastic July lies a really good time to sort of
3: say, I've been meaning to get around to do that and now I'm actually going to commit to it. It, What are some of the things we might not think about when we're trying to drop plastic? Because I think some of the obvious ones are like, uh, are water bottles and then plastic straws. But are there some things that you, people just don't think about it, they're still buying them without considering um, that they're made of plastic? Yeah, I mean, gosh, we could go through room by room in the house. I think
1: for me, like, this weekend was a good example. So it's taken me two years to get through the disposable razor heads that I had. I had, like, one of those, like, you know, I don't know, some Gillette sort of woman's razor, and I had a packet of razor heads that replaced it. And, I mean, I don't change those very often, so it's taken me two years to get through that. So this weekend I went out and invested in a lovely metal razor um with the um you know the the actual blades replaceable blades and it's a beautiful you know it's about 30 pounds um but it's a lovely german piece of beautiful razor engineering you and uh, yourself, yeah. and I haven't yet no <laughs> um so yes you know i think things like that 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 maybe take a while to get around to to replacing but but when you do you kind of have that feeling of starting to see your whole bathroom transition like you know and Richard was saying sort of you know soap instead of the the plastic hand washes and and um, a lot of shops now are starting to do refills so for things like shampoo and conditioner for a while I went through that sort of straw hair phase where I was using shampoo bars and I couldn't really find a decent conditioner so I was like putting coconut oil on it and looking bedraggled and greasy or I was you know going the opposite way and having dry hair but actually some local health food shops now are
3: doing refills of shampoo bottles, which is fab. I've just started doing that. Um, I, I got a hair conditioner and I was trying to use it. It's just not working. I think sometimes with trying to be a bit more eco-friendly, you have to work, do what works for you, right? It just wasn't working. My hair was a bit greasy and it's not, yeah. So now I've found the refill thing. So I bought one conditioner and I'm going to keep refilling it, which is great. I guess I've still bought a piece of plastic, but at least I'll keep refilling it. Um but also it is a bit more expensive isn't it and that's i think one of the big problems with people trying to cut down on plastic is that you can go and buy a shower gel for 50p if you want or you can go and um buy you know buy anything really i mean razors you can get them for a quid if you want to from the shop so it is something you've got to do you feel like you need to have a fair bit of money to be able to live plastic free
0: i th- i think there's a challenge there um You know, an example, if you have the milk delivered by a milkman in a a lovely reusable milk bottle, that's great, but you'll probably be paying twice the price that you would have been from the supermarket. Mm. So there are certain areas where you there is a premium to be paid in the same way there's a premium to be paid for organic products or fairly traded products. But nevertheless, there are other alternatives where, in reality, a bar of soap is probably cheaper than, uh, you know, a liquid soap plastic container. So... You know, there are some places where you would definitely save money. There are others where you might have to say, actually, I'm prepared at this point to pay a bit more in order to do my bit, mm. to be a bit more green. Um, but the supermarkets really need to, and the manufacturers need to step up and play their part. They can't just keep pretending that this problem will go away. Because one of the things is, and I about recycling, is that not all recycling is equal in that you know, if you've got steel cans, you've got aluminium cans, you've got glass, those things can keep going round effectively an infinite number of times. But plastic, even if you put it in the recycling, it can't be recycled an infinite number of times. It will start off as a nice clear plastic water bottle. The next time it might come back as a coloured bottle, four or five times round the system, it will end up as a black bin liner and then it will end up in re- in landfill because because there's technical reasons and chemical reasons why this happens, but eventually the strands of the of the molecular compounds get shorter and shorter and eventually they can't be recycled. Mm-hmm. So it's important, you know, if you've got a choice between a plastic bottle and a aluminium can, go for the aluminium can, because the aluminium can can be recycled an in infinite number of times. It's estimated 75% of all the aluminium that's ever been produced in the world is still going around the system and being used. Plastic You might get it, you know, in a good... If you had a good run, you might recycle it 12 times. You might only recycle it once or twice.
3: I didn't realise that about... Well, I was thinking about black plastic bags the other day. So if they're made from recycled plastic, that means they're still... they're not compostable. So we all put our rubbish into these black bin bags and they get put on the dump and then they'll just sit there for years and years and years. Mm. Or they get incinerated and that carbon gets released back into the atmosphere. I feel like we were having this discussion, Richard, just before we came in the studio. It's so difficult to know what to do. And this is kind of why I wanted to start this podcast. Because, for instance, you were talking about going back to glass um, milk bottles and getting them delivered. But then how how was that working out for you because you were saying that you you're not sure whether to do that now
0: well the thing was that originally for many many years we had our milk delivered by a milk bottle in milk bottles by the milk, local milkman because the dairy was around the corner and he came around in an electric milk float and it was great and then we noticed that fewer and fewer people were getting milk delivered, the dairy closed, and all of a sudden it was being delivered in a diesel lorry from goodness knows where. And we were the only people, and I'm thinking, there's a diesel lorry coming from goodness knows where, delivering two pints of milk to us, and we're the only people in the street. That can't be good for the climate change and air pollution. So we thought, well, maybe we should just get it from the supermarket. But now we're thinking, yes, but that's all that plastic. So Yes, it's difficult. Green consumers do have to make these balancing acts. And as we mm. were, I was just mentioning earlier so, um, when we were having the, the chat about, you know, do you go for organic, do you go for fairly traded, do you go for locally produced? It's hard to get all three of those at the same time. And so people do have to make choices. But there's some basic things that you can do. And avoiding plastic, if there's a glass or an aluminium alternative for the same drink, Coca-Cola being a good example then go for the aluminium of the glass because they will get properly recycled. The plastic's likely to end up in landfill eventually or get incinerated and in the past a lot of the incineration has not been at high enough in temperature so it's released all sorts of toxins into the air as well.
3: I was going to talk about that because plastic is pretty bad for our health as well isn't it as well as bad for the environment. I know I've got a have actually got a single-use plastic bottle with me because somebody broke my reusable water bottle. But I'm reusing this one. However, using these bottles that uh, supposedly have BPA in, which I don't know what it stands for, that's not good for you, right? No I mean most of the sort of bottles now that you'd be drinking out of
1: don't have BPA in them but it's bisphenol A it's it's one of those um sort of nasty toxic chemicals which they are linking to cancer so I mean it's it's generally yeah for health reasons as well it's best to avoid plastic because it can leach into our into our food and drink um but yeah it's 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 Again, it's one of those choices that we can make. um, And you have to be prepared to sort of lug things around with you a bit more. Because obviously, you know, plastic is an amazing product. It's just we've kind of, our use of it has gone spiralled out of control.
3: Yeah, because if you're working, you know, if you're working full time, people nowadays, they kind of run to the supermarket on the lunch break and grab things in plastic, in a plastic bottle. You have to really be prepared. And I feel like that's why we all use so much plastic, because we don't have time to prepare it but how do you find the time to to I mean are you constantly putting things into metal boxes and glass bottles and decanting things yes and-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean we're, we're lucky in Bristol and I, I do think that we're you know kind of quite pioneering really as a city we've now got two and a third one on the way of zero waste shops where you can go in and buy your everything loose from your salt and your bicarb right the way through to your cornflakes, um, herbs and spices, you can get it all loose. So so we are very blessed in Bristol if you want to live with less plastic. Um but it's harder for people that live out in the sticks. And it definitely, like Richard says it does come down to our supermarkets, you know, need to actually listen to the consumer um demand for this and actually start providing more loose and it's one of the things that we're working on with city to see is is you know encouraging supermarkets to trial refill stations within supermarkets because they do it in france um and there's no reason why they can't sort of trial it and pilot it here in the uk i tried i did a sort of uh, a plastic free shop at um sainsbury's at the weekend just to sort of i needed a few sort of basics and jars of things having a teenage boy i do need a few pasta sauces that he can kind of throw on some pasta when i'm not around and um and you know they did have a a, i would say maybe like a half a half decent selection of loose fruit and veg it's very limited still um and you can then get jars and tins um But it's there's a long there's a long way to go. But also in the freezer section, if you're if you you can look at like certain pizzas, you can just peel the edge of the packaging up to see if it's got a polystyrene um, base. A lot in the freezer section, you can buy things like chalk ices. like fish fingers, like pre-ready-made pre sort of meals with no plastic on them at all in the freezer section. So that's quite a good tip for sort of busy people who need a little bit of convenience food stocked up in the freezer um, but, but,
3: you know, need to get it from a supermarket. I only found out recently that you can recycle some of the, the soft plastic that you get. Um, I don't know if you can, it's really Again, it's difficult to know, but it, the plastic you get around pizzas or the plastic that bread comes in, you can actually take that to the carrier bag. Recycling, can't you, at supermarkets? But again, you're still using it. It's still getting recycled.
1: And I think that the recycling thing is quite tricky, isn't it? Like, people people think, I'm doing my recycling, I'm doing a good thing, which, of course, you are. It's better than just throwing it in landfill. Um, And we need to improve the recycling facilities in this country so that we're recycling more of the plastic in the UK instead of exporting it. But I think for me, like, even um, just this weekend, I met somebody who was involved in the recycling business where it's taken out to Asia. A lot of our, um, sort of around half of our uh, plastics are exported to Asia. Um, And it's something like, I think it's around 85% of ocean plastics come from uh, seven rivers in Asia. And, And this person that ran the recycling business he literally witnessed the plastic going over there to be recycled and that the the bits that they couldn't deal with, maybe it was contaminated or they just didn't have the facilities, actually got dumped. Mm. So, you know, our plastics that we think are being sent and being recycled can get exported and can get dumped into ecosystems and into rivers abroad. So it it really is a matter of, like, as much as we can, refusing single-use plastic, um... Uh, and putting pressure on the supermarkets, supermarkets to help
3: us um, to, to achieve that. Do you think that the supermarkets are making, it seems like they are, you know, with the news from Iceland recently going plastic free, do you think that other organisations and other supermarkets are actually planning to change?
0: Yeah, I mean I think I think they recognise now I mean I've been campaigning with Greenpeace, as you said, for since the eighties on lots of different campaigns. And some of those campaigns have been quite remote. You know, you're talking about deforestation in Borneo or climate change that's affecting the Arctic or the Antarctic. They're quite remote and it's difficult for people to necessarily engage with them. But plastics Yes, it's true that there's no place on the Earth's surface now where plastic isn't turning up. The most remote and isolated place is plastics washing up on the shore or whatever. But I think people know that we've got a problem with plastic because wherever you go, you go for a walk along the river, it's hanging from all the trees. You go for a walk out in the countryside, it's in all of the hedgerows. That So they see it, they go down to the the seaside and it's lying on the beach. So... I think people recognise this as being a problem that isn't somewhere else, somewhere else over there. It's here and over there. And therefore, I think there is a desire to do something about it that's much stronger than I've seen in other campaigns I've been involved in. So I think people will continue to put pressure on the supermarkets. And, you know, recently, locally in Canesham we saw shoppers getting together, arranging to do their shop and then Unpacking all of the excess packaging and giving it straight back to the supermarket, and that's happening. Um, and it's getting more high-profile. People, Billy Bragg was involved in one only a couple of weeks ago. So uh, people are doing that much more.
3: What do you reckon they did with the plastic, though, the supermarkets when they all left it there? They did say they
0: it? were going to recycle it, but um, the point was really to make the f- the point they were really making was they didn't need it in the first place. Mm. Most of it was excess packaging. Um, And we see that so often.
3: Do you think it's too late, though? Do you think we've just come to this realisation too late that even if now, even if we cut all plastic, is it going to make much difference to the world?
1: It's never too late, is it, for any of these things, like climate change, plastic. And I think a lot of the time it's not... Whilst we, we want the end result, like, you know, we want the oceans to be healthy and we want to reverse the effects of climate change. Ultimately, I think it's about us as individuals just following our passion and, and answering a call to be of service to each other and to the world and to make it a better place, just for the love of making it a better place, not with any kind of, like, like almost without an attachment to, to whether we solve the problem or not. It's just about us as humans finding a way to connect and solve a problem um, and and you know create a, a, a better place for the generations to come
3: in terms of um us then trying to reduce plastic if that's the main aim for us as individuals what are your what what would be the first steps for someone that uses plastic all the time they go and get takeaway coffees they use straws what what are some of the things you can you can do straight away that are easy um
0: well, the first one we've talked about, I mean, water really is outrageous. We spend more as a nation now on water in bottles than we do on soft drinks in bottles. And yet, in fact, the water that comes out of your tap is probably of higher quality than a lot of the water that's in water bottles. I mean, in fact, a number of the water bottles, the, the, the quality has been shown to be quite poor. So that really is a complete and utter waste of time. Just take your own water bottle, fill it up at home, City to Sea has has started a number of these um, refill uh, schemes around the country, and there's a brilliant one in Bristol, so you can go to lots of places and just refill if you're out and about. Take your own reusable coffee cup. I've got one that's a collapsible one, so you just literally put it in your pocket or your bag. A lot of the coffee shops are now offering a discount if you take your own cup, so you even save money by doing it. So... Avoid taking the bags at the supermarkets for your fruit and veg. So there's a lot of basic stuff. Wet wipes are, are a big, big issue. I mean, when I was a parent as opposed to a grandparent, and we were growing up, wet wipes were just coming in. They weren't that convenient because because they, they weren't packaged the way they are now. And they were something that you used very, very occasionally. Of course, we didn't realise the dangers of them then, but we used them very occasionally. When you were out and about with a baby... And you didn't have easy access to water. But now people use them at home when there's the bathroom or the kitchen or only just round the corner in the next room. And yet they're using wet wipes to wipe things down when you could just use a cloth and the tap. So wet wipes are one that we really need to do something about. And we were talking earlier about the toilet People think, they they know that if they put stuff in recycling or in the rubbish bin, it's going to go to a landfill or it's going to be recycled. But they somehow think that the toilet, anything you put down the toilet, magically disappears. And it doesn't magically disappear. It ends up in the sewage system and in our Victorian sewers that were not designed Mm -hmm. to process plastic.
3: I've seen Natalie's TED talk on this, um, basically saying... It's a toilet, not a bin. The three Ps, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, And I think, actually, as a woman as well, having periods, it's something that you don't even think about. Uh, The amount of plastic that you use every month is quite considerable, actually, and quite expensive. Mm.
1: Yeah, one of our campaigns is called Plastic-Free Periods. And um, if you, you our listeners, look that up online, you can find a video called Plastic-Free Periods, which is... Had around four million views now. I think um, switching to reusable menstrual products is a super empowering and inexpensive um, way to to massively reduce your um, sort of plastic footprint if you have periods. So I think that's an exciting thing that people can do. And I'd say as well, like um, like with all the things that Richard said. You know, you download the refill app and, and make sure that you know where you can refill when you're out and about. Um, and obviously being an advocate of, of our campaign work you can download um resources from our city to see website on how to live with less plastic sign up to our mailing list um and and there's loads of really cool facebook groups that have popped up everywhere around how to sort of live with less plastic so join the community and get together with people and it is quite fun once you get into it
3: and you can have really nice stuff now you can have nice containers that you keep and it looks really pretty you can
1: carry like these little mini bamboo forks and spoons in your in your purse so that you know if you if you get caught at starbucks on your way you know maybe dropping your kid off at a service station um then you've got your own cutlery with you um you know like ice creams in the summer they give it to you and they've got little plastic things and you can you can say no because you've got this beautiful little bamboo spork
3: in your in your purse (laughs) It's all about being organised, really, isn't it? Changing your habits. I think from the beginning, obviously, I kind of started this, starting a blog on Instagram, and I've always kind of thought that I was a little bit green and realised I'm actually not at all. So the first thing I did was to get a water bottle, and then I started um, from cleaning the house. I had to move house, so I made my own cleaning products out of kind of vinegar and, and lemon and little things. And I feel like each step you take, it does definitely get easier and becomes kind of more of a habit for you. So hopefully once you start, it'll be easier to carry on. But I think at the beginning when you first think I'm going to cut out plastic, you don't realise that it's going to be quite, quite a bit of a job. Yeah, and you'll probably notice there's some things that
1: you just are a step too far, like, you know, having a teenage son, he's got high carb needs, you know, and Mm -hmm. I don't have time to cook him a week's worth of crisps and biscuits and bread. And, you know, it's just the way it is. So I think at that point, you you do what you can. You you let yourself off the hook for the things you can't do. And then you make sure you pressurize the supermarkets and and the government to support, you know, your desire to, to live with less
3: plastic in a more, in an easier way. And how can we pressure the government? Is that by selling petitions? Is it by what's the best way to do that in your in your opinion?
0: I mean, there are in fact a number of petitions and Greenpeace on their website. So uh, if people just Google Greenpeace, there's a number of website. Uh, uh, there's a two or three petitions there now which are putting pressure on the government to uh, legislate against the most obvious and outrageous uses of plastic. You know, plastic straws, plastic cotton buds. Um, plastic sticks on balloons, all sorts of things, which are just totally unnecessary. So... um, And the government... I mean, Michael Gove has announced a number of measures, whether he'll actually bring them in, and the European Union is announcing a number of measures. There's also talk of a deposit return scheme. Yes. I mean, we had that sort of thing years ago when the Tizer man or wherever it was used to come round with the lorry and you took your empties back and got the refills again. A deposit return scheme would at least keep some of the plastic going round, but it still, as I said, isn't the solution to the fact that plastic isn't infinitely recyclable and alternatives to plastic are always better. The only time we should, you know, plastic is something that's designed to last forever and applications where you want it to last forever, like gas and water pipes under the ground, fine, buildings sometimes fine, but single use. Wrapping food is not so good, really, and we should be avoiding it wherever possible.
3: So also as part of the podcast, I've been asking people to get in touch, whether they've got questions um, that are related to what we're talking about. So obviously today we've been talking about plastic and single-use plastic. And um, Anna asked me about cotton wool pads because she's decided to go and get a makeup remover cloth that you just use water for so you don't have to keep buying bottles and buying pads. But now she's got a big load of cotton wool pads left over. So she said, can they be recycled? And I said, I don't know because I don't know if they've got plastic in them. I don't really know how they all made. So what happens with cotton wool? Can we just chuck it in the bin? What do we do with it? I say grow cress on it. Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: Great I mean, look at the packet. See if it if it's a hundred percent cotton. Then you can just chuck them in the compost bin, or put them out on the wall. I mean, I'm a great believer in. Let's just finish up what we've got. And then and then move on to the next thing. So I'm sure she can find a way to clean her sink or to do, you know, something with, take them to a festival and, and wipe her armpits with them. <laughs> you know, let's use that what we've got and then move on to reusables. I makeup, re- Reusable makeup wipes are a total revelation for me. I use some called Face Halo. And, oh my goodness, even on like heavy... Smoky eye days. They're amazing. They are fantastic. They take off the heaviest mascara and eyeliner with no um, no makeup remover at all. Just oh. water. How
3: do they do it? I don't understand. <gasps> wow, well, they're good. Um, you know, you just said to check on the, the back of the packet. But obviously, tea bags, they have plastic in which we've just found out. But it doesn't tell you that. So how are we meant to know these things? How do we know? how How are we meant to make these decisions? I know that you don't know the answer to this, really, but...
0: No, I mean it is difficult, but um yeah I, yeah, I don't I don't know the answer to that other than the fact that I researched it in fact with the with the Tradecraft one, I I emailed Tradecraft and asked them the question direct mm. and said, you know, I'm looking for tea bags that don't include plastic. I know that from publicity that these brands do. How about yours? And I was disappointed to get that reply because we 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 buy quite a lot through tradecraft in our family
1: i'd, I'd say also you know call people out on it ask uh, be curious ask the companies on twitter um twitter is a really, really good tool actually because people respond straight away yeah exactly so you can get some really good responses and they don't want to be named and shamed but it is a good way to bring attention to to their practices and if ever you want to tag in um, me at natalie fee or at city to see brist um, we can share it and kind of help get some momentum and awareness around it.
3: Oh, nice one! There you go. Question answered, Anna.
1: Thank you. Thanks.
3: I feel like I could keep asking you guys so many questions because you're really knowledgeable, but we're going to have to stop at some point. My last one was just that um, I've seen lots of alternatives for plastic recently. Like, um, not you can get vegware, and you can have this plastic. Well, these cups they look like they're made out of plastic. They're not plastic. Yes. You're looking at me like maybe you don't know yes. the answer to this. But no, what no, I, no, I
1: do. I've, it's just like out of the frying pan into the fire. It's a, it's a, quite a, a dodgy area, a grey area, um, and and I think it's it's still really about like us, this consumer, this sort of disposable, throwaway culture, which is the problem. Like. The, the the trouble with a lot of bioplastics is they don't actually compost in a, a sort of normal composting environment they have to go to industrial composters of which we have very very few in the uk
3: i think that's the thing because we buy it and think oh, we'll just chuck it in the bin because it will just come yeah but then de- it goes to landfill the and creates methane so it's yeah. you know you
1: really don't want to be chucking it in the landfill um and and so and there's there's cases already there's lawsuits happening in italy um, against a company called Novamont who are growing using invasive species to, to make bioplastics um, and really disturbing the sort of arable that, that, that's food growing capacity of the land there. There's rainforest being pulled down to make bioplastics. You know, we have to be really, really careful about this. There are some, very few, but there are some... That have managed to find sort of um, like snacked is a good example they they make um, food from uh, sort of like fruit snacks from end of use like leftover waste fruit and veg, and they actually do have a compostable fully compostable bag which you can put in your um, in your home composting so I think there are some great innovations coming. But, yeah, just sort of tread carefully. Don't sort of go on some wild, vegware, crazy adventure and, <laughs> and think that you're doing your bit to save the planet because you're probably not. Just Generally, sorry,
3: single-use anything, yeah. not great. Yeah, just reuse, refill and reuse. Nice. Thank you very much, both of you. Um, if people want to find out more about City to Sea or, or, or what you're up to at the moment, where, where should we go and what are you up to at the moment? Gosh, well,
1: um, we are currently piloting a fantastic education uh, menstruation programme in schools, teaching students about the environmental impacts of our periods and, and reusables as well as disposables. Um, refill is going great guns and we've got refill happening all over England and, and Wales and um, and soon to be venturing into europe we've got a new app coming out so you can look ahead to where you're traveling in the world and see if you can refill there or if you need to buy a a sort of filter bottle so that you don't have to use plastic bottles when you're there so that's exciting um and yeah we've got we've had we had a quarter of a million people sign our petition asking the government to introduce levies and sort of you know a small charge on coffee cups and things like that so Best way to find out what we're up to and support us is to go to citytosea.org.uk org. uk or find us on Twitter. Refill is on Twitter and City
3: to c Cool. And Greenpeace. What's Greenpeace? We we spoke about it a bit at the beginning, but
0: yes. So so at the moment, it's uh, we we've been running uh, right through the summer a, a big plastics uh, campaign against single use plastics. If people just go to Greenpeace org.uk or google Greenwire which is our sort of social media platform then they'll find out all about it and they can um, they can sign up and get get news of all of our campaigns the plastics and some of the others as
3: well thank you very much
2: thanks for having us
3: thanks for having us
2: Thanks to my guests Natalie Fee from City to Sea and Greenpeace's Richard Lancaster. Hopefully um, today's podcast has been helpful or useful to you. Um, Let's just recap some of the things that Nat and Richard mentioned. My favourite one, or one of my favourites, is don't do it all at once. Use what you've got and then start making swaps for reusables because not only might you be creating more waste by just buying more reusables when you've got other stuff left, but also it's probably gonna stress you out by trying to do everything at once. Plastic can only be recycled a small number of times, we've learnt today. So if you think you're doing your thing by recycling, of course you are, but that plastic is still gonna end up in landfill at some point. If you're stuck in the supermarket, grab one of the paper mushroom bags instead of the plastic grocery bags. That's a good tip from Richard. Don't fall for bioplastics. They're really hard to dispose of. Um, Just try and use reusables wherever you can. Once you are using reusables, easy swaps, obviously coffee cups and water bottles. A reusable razor is a good one. Soap instead of hand wash. Shampoo bars instead of bottles of shampoo and glass milk bottles instead of plastic ones and then generally refillable containers there are so many refill shops popping up all around the place so hopefully there's one near you another one is to try to stop using wet wipes and if you do use them do not put them down the toilet in fact don't flush anything down the toilet apart from the three p's which we learned from natalie well, this was the first ever episode of Wannabe Greener, so please do give me your feedback, uh, whether it's bad or good, I don't mind. Uh, message me on Instagram at wannabe.greener, or you could send me an email, greener at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd also love to hear if you have any further questions regarding today's podcast. Or a different green topic, and maybe there's a subject you'd really like us to cover in a future podcast, please don't hesitate to get in touch. And don't forget to tell your friends about Wanna Be Greener and please subscribe to the podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Harriet Robinson, and I'll see you next time.